0: This morning, God's Word comes to us from Genesis 41, Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to be reading this entire chapter. Genesis 41, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, "'I remember my offenses today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation.' A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed on the reed grass Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears withered, Thin and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, and I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. And the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh and without your consent no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zah-Enath-Paneah, and he gave him in marriage Asanat, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it, and Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asanat, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of An, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardships and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Joseph for bread. Joseph said to all the Egyptians, Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, All the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back of your Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 859 in the back section. Page 859 as this morning we will read article 13 of the Belgic Confession. reading from page 859, article 13, entitled, The Doctrine of God's Providence. We believe that this good God, after he created all things, did not abandon them to chance or fortune, but leads and governs them according to his holy will, in such a way that nothing happens in this world without his orderly arrangement." Yet God is not the author of, nor can he be charged with, the sin that occurs. For his power and goodness are so great and incomprehensible that he arranges and does his work very well and justly, even when the devils and wicked men act unjustly. We do not wish to inquire with undue curiosity into what he does that surpasses human understanding, and is beyond our ability to comprehend. But in all humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, being content to be Christ's disciples, so as to learn only what he shows us in his word without going beyond those limits. This doctrine gives us unspeakable comfort, since it teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of our gracious Heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures under his control, so that not one of the hairs of our head, for they are all numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. In this thought we rest, knowing that he holds in check the devils and all our enemies who cannot hurt us without his permission and will, For that reason, we reject the damnable error of the Epicureans, who say that God involves himself in nothing and leaves everything to chance. This is our confession of faith. Well, this morning, we come to the end of the first section of the Belgic Confession. Uh, The Belchik is perhaps not laid out as clearly as some of the other confessions are, but this first section, these first 13 articles, all deal with the doctrine of God. God in how he reveals himself in creation and in his word. God in who he is, he is the triune God. And God in what he does, he is the God of creation. We've talked about that for the last couple of weeks, God's creation of all things, including the angels, and he is the God of providence, and that is the end of that first section of the Belgic Confession. Providence is is a beautiful doctrine that answers the question, who is in control? Is there any order in the world? Even those who are non-believers look for some type of of principle that that gives order and and structure to things. Now, they may look to the stars, Uh, they may call it luck or fate or karma, but somehow there's some cosmic balance in the universe. We as believers know the true answer to the question, who is in control? It is our God. It is our God who is in control of all things, both good things and bad things. This morning we look at the story of Joseph, a story which I imagine is fairly familiar to many of you. Joseph was certainly one who knew about the providence of God. He lived it experientially, both in good times and in bad and as we look at this beautiful doctrine of God's providence, may it also be a comfort to us, whatever we are going through at this time. Our story begins uh, in the palace of Pharaoh. As Pharaoh has these two dreams, uh, children, I love to preach uh, sermons like this because some of you make pictures of the sermon, and this is a great sermon to draw pictures of. Seven fat, beautiful cows and seven thin, ugly cows. Seven fat ears of grain and seven weak ears of grain. You can draw a picture of that. It's a picture of Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh has this dream and he tells the magicians and they can't answer what the dream means. And then one of his servants, his cupbearer, says, oh, I remember a time when Pharaoh was angry with me and you put me in prison and there was a young man there. There was a young man who was able to interpret a dream that I have. And so we read in verse thirteen, and Pharaoh sent, verse 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. He is brought into the palace of the king, and it is said, Joseph, you are the man. You are the one who can interpret the dreams that I have had. Joseph has the perfect opportunity to make himself look really, really good in the presence of Pharaoh. How does Joseph answer Pharaoh? Verse 16, Joseph says, it is not in me. Pharaoh says, you're the guy. You're the one. Joseph says, nope, it's not me. However, there is a God, a God that I serve, and he is able to answer Pharaoh's question. Joseph had the opportunity to advance himself, but instead his concern is to give glory to God. And so he hears the dream and Joseph begins the interpretation, these dreams are one and the same, two dreams with one same meaning. It is the decision of God to reveal to Pharaoh what's gonna happen, verse 32. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Joseph is able to interpret the dream knowing it is one dream because God is in control not only of his ability to interpret the dreams but his ability, God's ability to orchestrate what's going to happen. This this future... These next 14 years God has shown you have been fixed by God. It's not simply God's foreknowledge, it's God's direction of what will take place. God is the God who's in control over creation. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. God in creation. He's in control of what happens. He's in control of the good years, the seven good years. He's in control of the seven bad years. And God will orchestrate these things for His perfect purpose. It is that same God who acts today, that same God who is in control, that same God who knows the future and who will watch over and protect his children. And so Pharaoh hears the answer to his question, Here's the interpretation of the dream. He says, oh my goodness, we need to prepare for this. Let's find somebody wise who who will take care of things. There's no one wiser than Joseph. Joseph is placed in charge, in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Joseph is second only to Pharaoh himself. Verse 43, and he made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus they set him over all the land of Egypt. Joseph second in command to Pharaoh. Joseph in the palace. Joseph the ruler. Certainly God's providence was shining down mightily upon Joseph. Where did Joseph begin in this story, children? Did Joseph begin in the palace? No, Joseph began in the prison. At the end of this story, he finds himself in the palace. And we would have to say that either either Joseph is the luckiest guy that there ever was, or there is a God who has a purpose in the life of Joseph. A God who would bless Joseph. A God who would place him in such luxury and such a beautiful place and in rulership. A God who takes Joseph and blesses him in the palace. Blesses him with everything he could want. He begins a family. He's the ruler over all of Egypt. That same God, that same God, is still in control today. When things go well, when things are going well for us, when we're living in the palace, the problem is when we are living in the palace, it's very easy to forget this is a blessing of God. It's very easy for us to want to take glory to ourselves. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I've done for myself or for my family. Rather than giving glory to God. So easy to forget, we need the reminder that Joseph, even in the palace, does not bring glory to himself. Joseph brings glory to God when things are going well. And and Joseph recognizes God's providence, not only in the palace, but also in the prison. Again, how does this chapter begin? Verse 41, chapter 41. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed this dream. After two whole years. It's been two years since the story of chapter 40. The story of Joseph being in the prison with these two men, the cupbearer and the baker, two years since that story where he is able to interpret their dreams and he says to the cupbearer, just do this for me, remember me when you get out. Two years have gone by. Two years in the prison. Remember how Joseph got put in the prison. That's the story back in chapter 39 of Genesis where Joseph is falsely accused and he is jailed. Remember how how Joseph got to Potiphar's house. That's the story in chapter 37. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery and eventually ends up in the house of Potiphar. God was in control when Joseph was in the palace. God was also in control when Joseph was in the prison. In fact, we read in chapter 39 about Joseph being in prison, chapter 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. God was in control in the palace. God was in control in the prison. And God is still in control today. Perhaps you are not in the palace right now. Perhaps you are in the midst of those two long years in the prison. When there are difficulties in your family, difficulties between husband and wife, difficulties between parents and children, God is still in control. He has not left us. When it is is our company that is downsizing and we are becoming unemployed or underemployed, God is still in control, whether in the palace or whether in the prison. Because because God continues to work his purposes out. We say, why? Why? Why are these things happening to me? Why am I going through this right now? And as a confession of our faith, sometimes the only answer is, it is the providence of God. Our confession says, this doctrine gives us unspeakable comfort Since it teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of our gracious heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures under his control, so that not one of the hairs of our heads, for they are all numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. The truth of God's providence, that he is in control at all times, gives us unspeakable comfort. Nothing is out of his control. Joseph. Joseph could never have imagined, when sold by his brothers, that this was somehow God working out his plan. Joseph could never have imagined when he is in Potiphar's house and wrongly accused and thrown into prison that this was all part of God's plan. Joseph couldn't imagine those two years waiting, waiting, waiting for something that this was all part of God's plan. But it was all part of God's plan. Even in the prison and also in the palace. God is working his purposes out. We read in verse 57, the very last verse of this story. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the the famine was severe all over the earth. God orchestrated all of these things, not only to keep Egypt alive, but to keep Joseph's family alive. We know from the following stories, Joseph's family will come and interact with him. The covenant line will be preserved because Joseph was living under the providence of God, whether in the palace or whether in the prison. He's sold by his family in order to save his family the covenant line may continue. When bad things happen, when hard times come, we have to remember God is still in control. And He is working out His purposes even though we don't see it and can't understand how in the world This can be for God's glory. Again, from our confession. For God's power and greatness are so great and incomprehensible. That he arranges and does his work very well and justly, even when the devils and wicked men act unjustly. We do not wish to inquire with undue curiosity into what he does that surpasses human understanding and is beyond our ability to comprehend. But in all humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God which are hidden from us. Being content to be Christ's disciples, we may not understand. It should not surprise us when we don't understand. God is God. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. His purposes, His ways are beyond our ways. When we say, God, I don't understand what you're doing, we confess by faith, even though I don't understand. I know you are working your purposes out. And in humility, we submit to the will of God in our lives. The providence of God does not mean bad things won't happen. The providence of God means that when bad things happen, God is still at work. Joseph learned the lesson of God's providence. We need to learn that lesson as well. A lesson lesson taught to us in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When when if looked at from the outside, the life of Christ would certainly look like, like evil was winning. Jesus Christ comes to his people, they reject him. He is unjustly tried and convicted. He is sentenced to the most cruel death that there is. He is hung on a cross and He dies. And from unbelieving eyes, we would say evil has won. But we know that God was working His purposes out. And through that death, and through his resurrection, he would bring salvation to each and every one of his own. God was in control, even in the greatest crime of all humanity. The assurance that God gives us that for all who belong to Jesus Christ, he will continue to work out his purposes in our lives. God calls you this morning, whether you are in the palace, whether you are in the prison, to trust in Jesus Christ, to trust that he is the one who has died for all of your sins, who walks with you every day of your life, to embrace him as your Lord, and to know this this unspeakable comfort, a comfort beyond our imagination, that there is a God who's in control, who's caring for each and every one of his people. The book of Genesis ends with these words of Joseph speaking to his family, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. In the palace, in the prison, God works his purposes out to bring himself glory and for the ultimate good of his own children. May we embrace Jesus Christ and embrace this glorious truth. Our God is in control. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we confess truly your ways are beyond our ways. Your thoughts are beyond our thoughts. We have spoken of things this morning that truly are beyond our understanding How even the evil that comes our way is under your control and working out your purposes. Lord God, help us to, to trust you more and more. To trust your word and your faithful promises that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. And even in times of difficulty, you are there with us. Strengthen our faith, oh God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing number 77 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Number 77, this may be a new tune for us. It's a very easy tune. Uh, Lines 1 and 2 and 4 all have the same melody, so there's a lot of repetition in this song, but the text is so beautiful as well. This morning, we're going to sing verse 1. And then verses 3 and 4, and across the page, verse 5. Verses 1, 3, 4, and 5 of number 77. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.